what's happening everyone the arsenal bros are back hey we've got a lot of games to talk about but we're gonna focus on the win at stanford bridge so pumped to get ben and kevin back you guys are gonna want to listen to this what is happening everyone the arsenal bros are back we have a full house today i'm joined by kev and ben kev what's happening Hey man, what what a week it's been for the Gunners and just for to be alive in general. No complaints here, and already waiting for Wolves. Yeah, and that'll be crazy because then we'll have six weeks without a game. Oh, trying not to think about that, but not not thrilled about that. Benji, what about you? I'm not thrilled about this six week break. I'm I will I'll be all in on the World Cup, but it's just not the same as following the Arsenal. But it's, it's good to be not. back. Yeah, for sure. Club football is uh definitely peak. I feel like the average fan loves a World Cup and yeah, I mean I'll watch and be all in and enjoy it, but there's nothing like club footy, especially when your team's top of the table. Mm-hmm. You just <laughs> yeah you just want more of it you don't want the party sure. to stop <clears throat> yeah and we're gonna be deprived as we were deprived last night Oof. Jeez, louise kev we've we've missed a couple games can you uh catch us up to pace yeah so i hope i hope the listeners are ready today because we have many games to catch up on <laughs> so this this is going to take a while but we've not done a pod since our lowly draw at Southampton and just kind of quickly um, going through that game. It was Granite Jaka in the 11th minute only to be canceled out by Stuart Armstrong in the 65th. And then we'll just go on to PSV. They beat us 2-0. At the end of the day, they can have their moment in the sun. We topped the table. Who cares? After that, Forrest 5-0. It was Martinelli with a goal fifth minute. Reese Nelson at the double. What a debut for him. Thomas Party with another wonder strike. And then Martin Odegaard to seal things out in the 78th minute. 5-0, getting our revenge on Forrest from last season. Fast forward just a bit, FC Zurich and Arsenal 1-0. Who really cares about that game either? It was Tierney with a wonder strike to get us atop the table, like I said. That PSV game really didn't matter. And then it was Chelsea and... That's about all we're going to talk about those other games. Let's move on to Chelsea. I guess we can talk about the Carabao Cup. To be honest, I didn't even see the game. I know we, we, we couldn't see it. Nobody can see it. Yeah, you're right. I, I will say I found a live stream from, I think, Rohan on Twitter, and I logged into it for about three seconds and saw us. I didn't see us score the goal. I heard us score the goal and saw the fans celebrate. But ultimately, we lost, and... Again, that's about as long as we need to talk about that match. Let's talk about really the only game over the last couple of weeks that's mattered, and that was away at the bridge. Man, what a buildup to that game in the first place. Kev, thanks for the rundown. We're we're here for that Chelsea game. Here no we go. Doubt. Kev, that was that was some good homework, bro. We had this planned out. We had we decided we had no business talking about these other games because uh this was the box office match that we've been itching to get at. And due to logistics, it's been uh, tricky for us. But here we are, and we're going to uh, loathe in the 
the great day out at the bridge. So, man, the bridge has been a bit of our playground. We've won uh, two straight league games going into this game. You look back at last year, the towards the end of the season in April, the the win that kept our season going. And then before that, we had the lockdown Emil Smith Rowe um, 1-0 to the Arsenal. So uh, a lot different games. But as James in on uh, from the Arscast said, really kind of shows our progression. But let's look at the lineup. Um, Zinchenko is back. How did you guys feel about him coming back in? Were you excited? Did you feel... That tyranny was hard done after his great uh, Europa League game. I was a little surprised that Zinchenko was ready and fit to start. Uh, I know he's been training for a while, right? He's been in and out of training at least. Mikel's been talking about him. But yeah, I was really surprised he was starting, but I was super pumped. Because uh, even if we only would have gotten a half out of him, I just know that when he does play, we just have this great possession attack and, and I was pretty pumped. Kev, what about you? Yeah, the same and seeing him come straight back into the team sheet kind of s- signals to me a little bit that if he's fit, he is the first choice number one at that left back position, whatever you want to call it. And Did you know this was the same lineup that we played against Chelsea when we played against them in the summer friendly? Which is oh, pretty really pretty wild yes i yes i agree kev i think this this is our first choice group for sure and uh you know i think really just shows where these two teams are at even going into the game i mean you have a team that you know was able to play this exact 11 in the summer and then you have a chelsea team that man how many changes um reese james out ben chilla out both long-term Injuries, Aubameyang, new to the squad. Um, Loftus Cheek's been in and out. Chalaba's been in and out. Uh, Mendy and Kepa has been in and in and out. So lots of lots of changes. All plus a new manager. Conte's been out. I mean, you could just. It's been an odd season to be a Chelsea fan. I'm sure, but um, I'm sure they thought that maybe they could get something out of this. Uh, so how did you guys feel going into it? Did you feel confident? Did you feel like we were going to be able to take care of something here? Yeah. And we've had this conversation a couple of times in the past, Nick, where I had said for probably more than a month that this game was where I actually thought we would drop our first points mm. past, past the United game. I thought we would beat Southampton. I thought we would take care of Forrest and then, this game at the bridge was the one that worried me even just with maybe a draw happening. And the closer we got to the game, the more I felt decent about it and felt like we had, it. didn't, I didn't, I wouldn't say I thought we were going to come in and take the three points, but I thought we would play well. And it was one of those that a draw may have felt a little bit disappointing ahead of time, but Going away to a top six side, whether you want to call them top six right now or not, is always difficult. And so I think you always just have a little bit of worry heading into a match like that. Ben, what what do you think? Yeah, I I felt pretty 
excited about the match just because I knew I could actually watch it live on a Sunday because it was early. So I think just the logistics of it kind of put all of the fear of going away to the top six side uh, out of my mind. And then just seeing our record at the bridge, I felt pretty good. Um, Weird to be feeling pretty good going into Chelsea. It I, is. I had thought, and I think I told this to you, Kev, we watched it together, but I think I told you that morning, I said, if if Zinchenko starts, I think we win by multiple goals. And that is just how good I had felt about how things had been going. And, I mean, yeah, because that's our full-strength team. And Chelsea not at full strength, new manager. Um, they've had some mixed results for sure, but I felt pretty good going into this for sure and we definitely started on the front foot and, and I'll, I'll cut you off there nick i have a little question i want to interject Ooh. with I'll a, allow noon, it. a noon kickoff in the uk which meant 7 a.m for us folk in america here so what time what time ben did you wake up for this match oh that's a i was up 5 45 because my son did not want to sleep in. So I was up pretty early, but that was not because of uh, my want that early. It was not by choice. So Nick actually got to come up and visit me that weekend. And we went out and had an enjoyable evening Saturday night and got home probably midnight or so. And we were preparing for the game and we said, all right, let's get up around maybe 630 watch some of the intro and and get and get ready for this and you know we wake up and turn it on and in the US Chucky was on TV <laughs> the horror film and we were like watching this like and Nick's like are you on the right channel I'm like I'm pretty sure I am and was looking <laughs> all around and watch this these dolls just create nothing but mayhem and then next thing you know it gets done at 6:59 and flips onto the game and everyone's lined up in midfield and there was there was no preparation it was straight into it at that point you can't yeah, that, draw it up much better than that that was weird by uh, nbc sports like not even a half hour before the game like 15 minutes nothing of all games too it's like this is a huge game can we get some build up but who knows with the time change and missed um, opportunity i i just wanted to hear robbie and robbie talk about how we were soft and going away. We were bound to crack under the pressure, and we didn't even get that chance. You know, it's funny how the old narratives continue to live on when we are so far away from being that team anymore. And uh, The yeah. 91st minute, we looked pretty soft, let me tell you. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Well, let's back up. We, ha we haven't even kicked off yet. Yeah, but I just wanted to just correct the two Robbies. I don't. I don't want to give them them any satisfaction in their horrible takes that they didn't even take that morning. Yeah, they they can't bear that we're top for sure. Anyways, we started off uh, quite smoothly. Um, you could really see Zinchenko tucking in central, and he had a great link up with Party already started and. We seem to really, really be up, up for it, and uh, yeah, 
I don't know. It just we seeing this away from home, it's like wow. Are, we're really. I mean, it's, you go back to the United game and how fast we started with that, and we had that early goal that eventually was called back. But it's been a long time since. I don't know if if since I've been a fan, like we've been able to really assert ourselves and not look like, hey, we're gonna nick one and get out of here. It looks like wow, we're we're going away to one of the big six and we're uh we're running the show. <laughs> I'm not used to it for sure. The commentator said like said the way in which we set up and played versus the way Chelsea set up and played, it was like a top side came in to play a lower league side uh, <laughs> that Chelsea just kind of were in a shell looking to hold and counter. And we just kind of control the game and bossed it away from home. Like that is, yeah, we haven't, when's the last time we saw that? Like 2008. Yeah, no, it's been a long time. I will say that team, that Chelsea team looks very, confused at what they're supposed to do there i mean i know he just started going through the game but post game there was a, a reporter that asked Graham potter if his team knew what they were supposed to be doing i mean what a question from a reporter and his he kind of paused for a little bit and was like yeah i think so there's something something along those lines i was like well it doesn't sound like you're convinced and the reporter wasn't convinced so i mean i'm all for taking Chelsea when they're down. Um, but yeah, certainly looked toothless. They did have a good break. Um, and Aubameyang made a great run and Havertz just totally blew it past him. But man, after that, I don't know if I was very worried by too much that they did. I mean, we we talked a little bit about the control that we've had in some games and this kind of the, the arm's length that we've held teams at. And this was certainly one of those. Um, we really kept them away. Um, no real clear chances for us, but we had a great buildup as a 28th minute um, end-to-end, just tiki-taka, back and forth. So many one-touch balls. Ball goes through to Xhaka on the turn to Martinelli, who cuts in, floats an incredible little dinked cross in to Jesus, who just couldn't reach it. Kevin, is that one that he should have finished, or did you feel like it was just past him? What a buildup, though. Man, the I, I wish you'd repeat the words you said when that chance didn't go in, because we may, <laughs> we may have to add an explicit label to this podcast. <laughs> but, man, so disappointed that that didn't go in. And More for was, the sake of how good it would have been. It would have been, to me, that goal goes down as one of the kind of the all-time greats that that Arsenal have scored, like the the goal against Norwich with all those flicks mm. and one touches. Just some of the some of the the best, Scorpion, yeah, some of the best passages to play ever. And I think the ball was difficult, and it wasn't an easy chance for Gabriel <laughs> to deduce at all. Oh, Mar Martinelli's face after that is just like, I can't believe that didn't go in. Yeah, I mean, he's just—he looks so appalled and devastated. He knew, he knew, and I think if you asked Jesus himself, he would tell you that he should have finished that, and that's kind of where I'll leave it. It wasn't an easy chance, but one that he'll definitely be kicking himself 
over missing. I will say in his defense, he had to stop his run and he restarted it, and I think he didn't quite have all the momentum going into that. But do we do we need to have the the Jesus goal drop conversation? Yeah, let's have it. Okay, I I had a a pretty cool take from from our boy Steve, who's in the group chat. He uh he noticed that. Jesus's goal drought really started whenever he got on four yellows hmm. and was wondering, what do you guys think about that? You know, is it, is I don't think there's a correlation. I don't think there's a correlation because watching how he played against Chelsea, so combative into everything. I mean, I'd like to think goal scoring is about the last thing to do with, you know, getting into make a challenge or whatever. Um, but is he just that that he goes into a game just just cognizant, slightly cautious, just wondering if that just like moved his focus a little bit? I don't know. It, it was it was an interesting thought. I I thought, but yeah, I didn't realize. It. Yeah, I definitely didn't realize that that's kind of when that started. Yeah, I I think I don't know if I had said this on the last part. I might have, but. I just think he hasn't had a run of this many games, and I don't think he has. He's had this many a run of this many games at center forward, probably ever. And um, yeah, I'm. He's doing. I mean, what an incredible performance from him! It was all around. And the thing is, he's still getting chances. It's not like he's missing sitters, but he's creating chances for himself. Whereas. Last year with Aubameyang and Lacazette, if chances weren't created for them, if they couldn't step into something first time, you know they weren't a part of the game. And we obviously saw that with Aubameyang. With Chelsea, still that same type of player, eight touches and um, no end product whatsoever. I think with Jesus, he's able to not only create his own shot, we're seeing him go off the dribble much better than I ever would have expected from him, um, but also set up other teammates, his hold-up play, um, his I mean, that, that dribbling move he for Martin Odegaard was a thing of beauty on the where he mm-hmm. played Odegaard through, yeah. through like three or four Chelsea players and and, and I mean I have a huge issue with him not scoring right now. Yeah, I mean I'd like him to score. I think well, that's obviously. clear. It's clear that everybody wants to get him one so everybody can shut up about it. But I do think um, he's he's proving that you know we can win without him having to score. Whereas, you know, Lacazette or Aubameyang were, if they didn't score, well, who else was going to do it? What else could they add to the game if they weren't scoring? So... Mm-hmm. Kev? Yeah. I I feel like the conversation is just a little bit overblown by people because you remember we had the same conversation about Saka to begin the season. And when you've got the quality that we have all around the field, you don't you don't have to worry about that because guys will get their goals in patches and then won't, but they're, they're always going to contribute. You look at a team like city and we never question certain guys who aren't scoring just because we know they'll come. 
And you look at the the goal inputs that we've gotten from Granite Shaka this year have been a lot higher than normal. And those goals change games too. And teams play differently afterwards. And we've seen that multiple times this year with Arsenal. And I think some of those games, if Xhaka doesn't get that early goal, we end up pushing and someone else gets it. And then maybe we sit in a little bit more. But ultimately, you see him doing the work. And I know I may sound like a little bit of a hypocrite in saying this, because last year I said it's the goals that matter for Lacazette and not the assists or like his hold-up play. But I think right now what Jesus is offering, and obviously for someone like Lacazette, that was over a full half of the season that he wasn't producing, not a four or five game stretch. And you watch Jesus play and he was organizing the press on Sunday. You you never see that out of a forward who's pointing and shaping and doing everything for us defensively. And that was part of what miffed Chelsea so much and their inability to build out of the back was, was the press led by him. And, and you're right. He's played so much that, I think that wears him down a little bit. And when you're fatigued, you miss those half chances much more frequently. And I'm confident that when he gets a goal, he's gonna, they're gonna come in bunches again, and and then he'll carry us to three points and multiple matches in a row. But I think, yeah. I, I and I to be fair, I haven't heard anyone calling for him to be benched or anything like that. But. The only thing I'm worried about is the longer this gold drought goes on, whenever he finally breaks it, I'm worried about him entering concussion protocol with all the slaps to the head he's going to get from Gabrielle and Ben White. Probably Cedric, too. Hopefully Cedric's not dressing that day because he may assault him. Yeah, Cedric's going to come in, snap his photo, and then just slap the ever-living snot out of Gabrielle Jesus' head. No I pick the ball off of him. <laughs> well, thank you for that question, Ben. I uh, yeah, it's one that's obviously come up a lot, and um, yeah, something that for sure just needs to be addressed. Because yeah, that keeps, despite you know the overall good start, that's something that's just coming up, coming up a lot, and. Um, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on it, but if we keep winning and he's not scoring, I guess uh I guess that's just how it is, but yeah. So we get to uh halftime, nil nil. Probably we were definitely the better side, but I think outside of that headed chance, we hadn't created anything um anything too obvious up to that point. Trying to quick go through the highlights. Yep, nothing. So, yeah, and uh, we, we definitely started the game, and the the tilt was was in our favor. I think we had officially more shots than them at half. Definitely, but, but it was definitely. I mean, the game was still up in the air. They I mean, they were dangerous. A few pretty poor moments from them in their final final third. I think that they had two and a half chances that. Eh. So, so definitely nothing decided at halftime. 
And I and I think in the back of your mind, you still had that fear that Abba could do something and just completely ruin the day. Man, I can't. That that would have been awful. And did you hear on the arse blog that somebody had said that he had a had a mask behind the goal? Think of how mask. That would have that would have stung. I don't think it would have stung. It would have enraged me. Because, I don't know, I think a lot of people still like Oba, respect him, enjoy his time at Arsenal. And for me, I'm I'm really indifferent. I feel like, you know, I appreciate what he did for us, but it was time to go and we're better without him. So I just don't really care. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I felt like he would have been a little extra motivated in this game, but um, clearly struggled to... Uh, make his impact and I think just shows where he's at and ultimately I think it vindicated Arteta's choice to uh, pull the plug and uh, that among other reasons um, just his lack of ability to fit in the system I think was enough of a reason to do that let alone anything else but we move forward to the 61st minute our press was was really good all around um, and yeah, I'm trying to trying to walk through this here. Jesus does a great job back tackling Thiago Silva. It were that challenge on Silva reminded me a lot of the challenge that Martin Odegaard put on uh, Christian Eriksen that didn't seem to get called this time. Jesus gets played through. I mean, we talk about Jesus, but and we talk about Lacazette never ending up in the box. I mean, Jesus tracks back, wins this ball off of Silva. The, the starting Brazilian center back wins it off him and gets into the box and has a 1v1 versus Mendy tight angle um, puts a decent effort on goes out for a corner in the corner that we score on he he just he just does it all but Saka Saka standing at the corner and is absolutely getting rained down all this stuff and it's interesting because when he goes he, he stops to pick something up and you know, the Chelsea guys seem to lose the concentration because as he's stepping to play it, they had to reset. And, you know, it was interesting, Kev, because when um, it seemed like our corners all up until this point kept going near post and we did not beat the first man. I think I was up yelling multiple times about it because I felt like we've had these chances and we continue to hit that first man. But that ball was in the same spot. And I wonder if this was a... Nicholas Yover special when he just said pound the near post uh, because they're soft there. Um, Saliba dove and I mean it wasn't even close to it, but I think it froze everybody enough. And Cucurella and Jaka just stand there admiring it. Mm. And it looked like a, a junior high prom dance. And, and, it very much yeah. did. Little action, um, enough room for Jesus, and. Uh, Ball bounces through to Gabrielle, and man, your boy Benji, you must have been stoked. He comes in and shelves it. I was, uh, I mean, he was so close. I was like, man, if you miss that, it's not our day, but buries it. One nil celebrations initially going the one way, turn around with the whole squad running past Aubameyang back to the away fans. What a, what a brilliant goal! Surely we weren't turning back at that point. 
No, I actually thought that was really going to open up the game because they were sitting in a lot uh, with zero attack. And so I thought, oh, here's the start of something big. But it was a great goal. I think really credit to Saliba just going for a ball he knew he probably wasn't going to get. And it really threw off Kai Havertz, um, who just whiffs. Like, beautiful whiff by him. And so uh, that really opens us up to uh, score a great goal by Gabrielle, who continues to just produce on corners. What a great asset. What a fantastic left center back. Yeah, definitely. Kevin, we were pretty stoked. Yeah, it was... It's always a good feeling when you score in a game, much less a, a game against another top six team. And, you know, going into halftime, one of the things I had said was that when you're on top of games, you need to take advantage of them because in so many of these games, it doesn't matter what the two teams are. One of the teams will have their moment where they're on top. And you hope that we didn't play our best football in that first half. And, and then we're going to get beat in the second half. And then, came out and we're still really on top of the game and got the goal. And I think you met, you mentioned it earlier, but you watch that, that corner kick from the opposite side and you can see Xhaka kind of holding Kukurea too. And it's just such an odd play. I could watch that replay over and over again. It makes me laugh every single time, especially because he doesn't even turn around and look until the balls pass him and into the net. And I wish I could, I could just ask one of the Arsenal guys if they meant to run by Aubameyang where he was at, or if that was just just happenstance that that happened. But I'm sure we'll never get an answer to that, but a question that I would love to get an answer to. And then taking the lead, you felt great and hoped that they would be able to hang on and, and do better than we've done lately when we've gotten those one-goal leads in these Premier League games. Yeah, the classic narrative of the soft underbelly was surely about to be tested. And, you know, not only did we, I, I yeah, you're right, Kev. I feel like when we've taken these leads, um, the remainder of the game is a little hairy and we're batting down the hatches, Rob Holdings in, and it's like, man, how are we going to finish this? But I felt like we controlled this game throughout with no issues and created another incredible chance about 10 minutes later, Ben, you were mentioning Jesus is dribbling um, Ramsdale big outlet. Jesus takes it down well and um, finds Odegaard Odegaard one V one with Mindy um, edge of the box and just could not quite find the finish that he was looking for. And that really would have killed the game off. And, after that, not too much going on. I think Chelsea had maybe one chance that was blocked, but the uh, the spotlight moment in the 92nd minute, Xhaka blocks Chalaba from uh, playing the ball back to his keeper, and it's all handbags. And you, I feel like he's just taking the piss there, knowing exactly what he's doing. No, and Keski, you pointed out that Chalaba was on a yellow already, so I'm wondering if he was trying to get him sent off, wondering... If he knew he, if he could get into it with him, nothing was going to happen to him. And uh, Kovacic comes in there, and he wants a little bit. And uh, I don't know; it just felt a little different. I mean, it's 
flashbacks to the old Jaka, but it did seem relatively uh what's the word I'm looking for? Intentional. Yeah. Um so <laughs> I thought that was a brilliant moment. Right in front of the away fans. I mean, they were loving it. And not much later, um Jaka's pumping up the fans right in front of Jorginho. And Jorginho is not having it. Gave him the old finger wave and Jaka turns and points right to the scoreboard. So what a tremendous moment from our captain. Full-time yeah. whistle. Here, I'll, I'll interrupt you there, Nick. I think that to to build on that, that effectively ended the match when Jaka did that. You you mentioned it with Jorginho. They, Chelsea never started playing again after that happened. It was all about Jaka and feeling aggrieved by that incident. And they they couldn't string together two passes to save their lives for a lot of the second half, but especially after that moment, it was the match was effectively done at that point. And awesome seeing our guys be able to do that and keep keep their cool heads afterwards because we kept the ball and and they they didn't do anything. So I just I just wanted to throw that point in there. I appreciate you letting me sneak in. Yeah, definitely. It was a just controlled performance and they brought on lots of subs. I'm trying to think. Pulisic came on. Broja came on. Connor Gallagher came on. Kovic just came on and had no impact. I mean, they had lots of injuries. Fafana, Reese James, Conte, Kepa, Chukwameka, and Chilwell all out. But still a very strong bench with all those guys coming on. Ziyech didn't even get on. Koulibaly was on the bench as well. Like they have, They have the guys. And they're just really struggling to find that. I think it was a combination of Chelsea just not different formations. They've been three back. They've been four back. And versus a team that's in the third year of this with a consistent starting 11. 1-0 was the scoreline, but it was surely a much more dominant performance than that. Quickly looking at the stats. Expected goals 2.25 to 0.29. Wow. That's a battering. That is a battering. I mean, that is Chelsea not getting a sniff and us getting I mean Did they I, have I, shot in the second half. Um oof. I don't know how to check stats by half, but I'm checking right now. Um I know they didn't I believe they didn't have a shot after the goal. Uh Cucurella had a corner blocked in the eighty fourth minute. That's it. Yeah. Uh, oh and Aubameyang had a blocked something in the 49th but yeah five shots five total shots yeah 14 to 5 on the shots <laughs> i mean looking at the xg i felt like 2 nil would definitely have been a fair scoreline mm-hmm. um but we'll take the 1 nil because if anyone watched that they knew that it was a resounding win and if man if you're a chelsea fan and you go into that thinking you get something and you, you're leaving thinking, what did I just watch? I watched a team that has been the laughing stock of the league for the last couple of years and just play us off the pitch, play us off our own pitch while we were just absolutely toothless. I mean, let's look at let's just look at the narrative of last season being our worst start ever to this season being our best start ever. Just when I realized that, I just couldn't believe it. I just could not believe it. 
And if I'm Jeff Bezos and Amazon, I'm thinking, uh, yeah, I wish I was there for season two because this is this is primetime TV, no doubt. Well, could you imagine being in the locker room right now? Just uh, I heard, I heard that, yeah, I heard that locker room was very loud and rightfully so. I mean, everything's being celebrated and it's just awesome. It's such a, but it's so holistic. It's so genuine to where it's not forced or cringeworthy. I mean, obviously we're going to say that because we're fans, but it just seems like you hear the family atmosphere a lot, but just, and I've said this before, after the game, so many different guys interacting. I mean, Zinchenko and Tierney, everybody thinks there's a rivalry and they're lifting each other off the ground and, you know, just guys that you just, guys on the bench are celebrating. Everybody's running over to the away fans, chucking their shirts in. I'm just like, man, what more can you ask for? Like, as an Arsenal fan, if if you're a fan in the league and you look around to every team, we're, you know, we're the team that I feel like people, you know, and if, if you're a new fan, you're like, yeah, that's the team I want to follow. I was talking to one of my friends, dad, who's, uh, you know, just a layman Premier League fan. And he was like, yeah, you know, I watched the documentary and now I watch them I'm like, yeah, that's the team I want to, that's the team I want to support. They got things figured out. I'm like, well, I don't know if we got things figured out, but things are certainly rolling. So I'll stop there. Kev, what are your thoughts on this uh, two-year turnaround? I mean, it's obviously been more than that, but things are uh, things are pretty fine, aren't they? Yeah, just a sense of stability is, I think, the thing that I would point out more than anything else. Look at the... We've used such similar lineups all season with just few interchanges at, at maybe left back. And outside of that, it's been it's been the same group. And, you know, you go back to last season and we talk about Europa versus Champions League. And every day that goes by, I'm happy that we aren't in Champions League right now because I, I don't think we would be top of the table if we were. And... And so that that's something where hopefully we can keep this run going by being able to hopefully some of our guys don't play a ton over the World Cup over the World Cup month and we can avoid injuries and then maybe build build the squad up a little bit in January but just that sense of stability and you know watching Chelsea on Sunday reminded me of Arteta in year 1 and into year two with Arsenal where he had this squad of some aging aging players who didn't really seem to care that much and weren't fully bought into Arteta's new system. You look at a guy like Sterling who came in for a previous manager. I don't want to say he's retiring at Chelsea because I think he still has abilities left, but you had Chelsea or you had Sterling in that lineup, you had Aspoqueta in that lineup. And they just there was zero spark to it. It felt like it was a Bobby Yang and Lacazette running around together and was zero threat. I'd love to see if that was our lowest XG performance we allowed this season. Maybe Bournemouth away was fewer, but you'd be hard-pressed to find a game with a better defensive record than that. And they just felt – you almost don't believe the dominance that took place because – 
that should never happen to a top six team. That's at that's, home. Yeah, that's embarrassing. That goes back to can't remember who we played. I know BK would remember it if we brought him on here when Emery allowed 30 shots. Maybe it was Villa. Watford, I think. Watford, yeah. And it was just you watch it and you're like, what in the H E double hockey sticks just happened? And getting done with this, you almost can't you almost can't appreciate how dominant the performance was. And it speaks to how much of a machine Arsenal are, are turning into. And I like to, I'd, I'd almost like to call it the Arteta Death Star is what we have going Oof. on right now. Oof. Oof. And you just feel like we get going and get going. And, and it's only inevitable that a goal is coming. What did you say the XG was for Chelsea? Because... Benji just sent me a link that said 0.28 for Bournemouth. Ooh, 0.29 for Chelsea. Man, so I'm off. I'm a liar. But you know what? <laughs> I'll, I'll own that one. But either way, that is, that's embarrassing for Chelsea. And you consider that we were up 3-0 on Bournemouth in half an hour. That game was done after 30 minutes. And they, and just... A wild, a wild thought. That should never happen to a top six team. So as equally proud as they am of Arsenal, it's embarrassing for Chelsea. Yeah, if I'm a Chelsea fan, I'm wondering how's this turnaround? And uh Yeah, they they're just so early in this rebuilding process and you know you see how Arsenal's done it being ruthless having to make big decisions, having to spend wisely, having to be patient and and uh, recognize it's going to take time and you have to commit to certain people and stick to certain people and give them a chance and give things a chance to marinate and develop. And uh, yeah, all of a sudden we're here and it's like, uh, how did we get here? And... Um, yeah, just just wild. And, yeah, I can't even appreciate it fully. And I think it's something that will take a while to fully appreciate. Obviously, there's so much more to go still. And that's uh, that's exciting. Um, yeah. Do you, do you think that the addition of Zinchenko into that 11... I was, yeah, that's what I... ...helped us see out the match in the last 15, 20 minutes? Because Arteta talked about that a lot in preseason, you know, with wanting a team that can keep the ball and making it so we don't have to go into the Rob holding special at the end of matches. And we were keeping the ball, moving it around without problem. Do you think it was simply the addition of Zinchenko in, or is that a bigger part of the overall plot? What, what do you think, Ben? Yeah, I think having Zinchenko really did help us control the match. Um, he came out, in the 78th minute and Tierney came in and, and put in a shift as well um, with holding, holding an Alneni coming in late, but no, I think the, the, we want to kill a team with, what do you say? A hundred thousand passes um, to end a match. And, and I think, I think we're seeing that vision come to life. And so I don't know, man, it was just different at the end of the game. Like there was a few nervy moments, but at the same time, like, we looked good. Um, we started to get a little tired, and, and I think um, that's when we started to see the subs come on and, and the game shifted back, and 
and really did control it. Like it's just we we're just a different side. Being able to bring on a tyranny after you know Zinchenko tires them out, like filling into that midfield gap is just it's just a luxury we have not had in years. Yeah, we haven't been this team, and it's crazy seeing it now. Um, your Rohan on Twitter just talked about the change even from last year to this year and has just talked about how much more compact we are offensively because that's such kind of an opposite tactic when you think offensively you are wide and defensively you're compact, but talked about offensively being compact in that way things are closer to where um, we can play those combinations but also if we lose the ball, we're right there to win it right back. And by doing that, we can really pin teams in and with a high line and we just suffocate teams. And I think there were spells of that for sure where we did that against Chelsea. But yeah, I, I loved having Zinchenko back. You could tell he was a little rusty um, getting beat or getting stuck out of position and trying to get back. And that I think were their only... Chelsea's only opportunities were kind of slotted in behind him when he was pulled out a little bit, but that was early in the game, and I think we adjusted pretty well around that. So, yeah, loved having him back because he, I mean, as much as I really love Tomiyasu and I thought Tierney was really good in the Zurich game, like having Zinchenko back, and I had a sneaky thought that he would he was being saved for this game, but just really his security and possession and his ability to split lines and just be uh, be where he needs to be tactically um, was elite, and I think just really helped us have a vice grip on this game. Uh, you know, with him, a name we think we've hardly mentioned is Thomas Party, an absolute masterclass from him. I think with Jaka and Zinchenko coming in and Odegaard all being responsible, I think has really opened up. That's a lot of space for him, but man, how good was Thomas Party? Oh my goodness. He it was like at times it looked like he had so much space just because of the formation. I just think Arteta just nailed it tactically. But other times, I mean he just turned in some tight windows and just progressed either on the dribble or through the pass just so quickly. And it was I mean, it broke any semblance of a press that Chelsea had and just allowed us to start to get guys running forward and just the defensive stability and then the, the press breaking movement he has is just elite. Like, is it, is it too short sighted to say he might be the best informed defensive mid in the league right now? No, uh, I don't think, yeah, I don't think that's a hot take at all. I mean, the only other one I think right now you could talk about is Rodri, but I mean, in talking about importance to the team, and we know what we're like with Tommy, and we very much know what we're like without him. And uh, he, man, he just he just really ducks out of pressure so easily, and it's just it breaks lines. You know, he just attracts so many players, and then plays the ball. You know, it's taken a while. We've had him, and I think they're. Had been some questions about his price tag, and he was Arteta's, you know, first big signing that he really went for. His injury issues, and everybody's like, "When are we going to move on? Do we need to 
you know, what do we need to start thinking about? And uh, wow, yeah, we're we're seeing him at his at his at or close to his maximum, and uh, I'm here for it for sure. And I think we're talking about masterclass again. We haven't mentioned the man of the match, William Saliba, 21 years old, first season with the club. Kevin, what what can you say about Saliba? What, what hasn't been said about him yet? I don't think there is anything you can't say at this point. I think the one, the two plays that stood out more than anything else in the first half, I think he gave the ball away and ended up blocking a shot and made it made a good recovery on it, blocked the shot, and then just had this stone-faced look about him. And... You see, you see the top players in the world make a mistake like that and get away with it, and they look like they crapped their pants. And he just had this look of whatever. It doesn't matter. I took care of it. And just that mental strength he has is a gift. I, I don't think no, there's any other word you can say. He is priceless to have that mental side of the game down so well and then the other one, second half, they played the ball in behind. I can't remember who he was running against. It might have been, it might have been the who was the attacker they subbed in up top? Broja. Yeah, Broja. They played the ball in behind, and Broja had two or three steps on him, and Saliba was literally wrong footed, facing the wrong way, and he tracked him down with ease, won the ball back, and then the offsides flag goes up. And you're watching it like you're not supposed to be able to do that physically. And yeah, he you, did it. You and, look at him and he's like, wow, this, is, this guy's a unit. Then you see him move and he's like, well, he's just kind of lumbering it. But then you see like he's gaining or running past guys. And you're like, wow, he's like a he's like just like a buffalo out there. Just huge and just fast. I don't like I'm trying to think of a a proper comparison. That's probably not it, but it, it might be in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. And he just, I, I don't want to overuse the phrase, but to me right now, he seems like a generational talent. Hmm. And I think he could be, we said it earlier in this season and I thought he could go down as one of the all time great Arsenal center backs. If he ends up staying and we can only hope that, that contract is somewhere in Colney signed or ready to sign it and lock him away because every, every performance he puts in that price tag is going up and up and up. And, and with a player, with a player like him anchoring your back line, I don't think there's anything that anything, a team that he's on could not win, whether that's the prem, the champions league, whatever, event he may be in i think he will be good enough that his team can win it i think he's i think he's the next van dyke in terms of just elite and no one touches him yeah i don't think that's crazy i think that really his trajectory is up yeah there might be a few dips here and there he might have a a slight poor run of form just like every player in the world has, but I mean, he's just going to continue to get better. He's in the best league in the world. 
He's starting week in and week out and just rarely putting a foot wrong. Um, it just allows us to do so much. Like our our defensive transition shape is just different because he's so fast. We can push, continue to push more guys forward um, because we have such a safety net in him. You know, Gabrielle's the one pushing up higher, and Saliba can just drop in behind there and chase anything down. It's just, I mean, the 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 tactical flexibility he gives us, his touch, his positioning, his vision is just. I mean, I I legitimately do not remember seeing this at Arsenal. Yeah, I saw a tweet that said this is our best center back. Uh, combo since so Campbell and Colo Toure and yeah that's he that's before my time so I uh yeah it's relatively small sample size but wow looking uh looking uh so good for us and uh you know it's such a great combination of a uh, oh, oh you know I know he's been called a Rolls Royce a lot but the Rolls Royce the smooth good on the ball Saliba, and then you have the more rugged defender who is probably underrated on the ball, Gabriel. Yes, I said it, Ben. Oh. So there, there you go for now. <laughs> but man. you know, I've learned to respect him just knowing that he's not he's not Saliba, but he is a bit of an old school defender. And uh yeah, I love that about him, but Man, what a game for Saliba. I mean, I, I felt like, uh, you know, man of the match to a center back in a game that we dominate so much. I felt like, I feel like this should be an attacker. But he, I mean, he just neutralized everything before it even even got out. So, man, what, yeah, what a talent we have. I could not think who to give man of the match to. Yeah, like, I mean. Saliba, Gabrielle. Uh, this has I, happened a couple times this year. Usually it's pretty clear, but in a game like this, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking Saliba. I'm thinking Thomas Partey. Mm-hmm. You could give Jesus a shout because he was everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, Gabriel, I mean, scoring the goal and and uh, holding it down in the back too. So, yeah, what a, a, a good problem to have, I think. It seems like we're operating more as a unit and not just relying on these individual performances. We'll have a time where we need that. We need a a guy to step up and just uh, do something spectacular. But right now it's a, it's a full squad, full squad togetherness. Yeah. And you can see that when we're playing, but you can also see that just in the, in things that we're doing. Oh, man. Let's see. Let's finish up. Got a couple other points here. Sterling and Aubameyang pocketed. And you could say Mason Mount as well. All very, very quiet. I'm not surprised about Oba because in the in the downturn, we saw him and how limited he could be. But, man, Sterling's really had a tough go of his start at Chelsea. And uh, Mason Mount couldn't quite figure out a way to go. You know, is that down to us? You know, game planning and Arteta getting it right, or do you feel like it's down to them being out of form, new manager really struggling? Probably a bit of both, right, Kevin? Yeah, I don't. No offense to Raheem Sterling, and I think he would agree with me. He's not a wing back, and 
they have him basically playing as one at times. And I'm sure that is not what he chose to go to Chelsea to play as. And you know, it's 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 so interesting looking at Jesus leaving City for Arsenal and Sterling um, leaving City for Chelsea. And so far how their, I don't want to call it a second career, but it certainly is the second part of their career, having won multiple trophies at City, especially Sterling being a really big part of that team, Jesus being a, a key cog in it and uh, feeling like their race was run and leaving to other pastures and uh, so far having two very different experiences so far. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Again, like, I think the idea of building something, culture, is starting to show that, you know, even City have something that's been solid. And so just jumping ship, trying to, to, to go and do something like that, it just hasn't really paid off for, for a lot of people. And and so cheers to them. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll wrap up the, uh, the Chelsea review there. But, man, what a brilliant day. Just what a way to start the day. I mean, a 7 a.m. kick here in the States, and uh, your weekend is made quickly and uh then we got to watch villa pilot on against united which was great too so yeah i mean fair play to arteta he nailed it i mean we're pretty quick to jump on him when he doesn't get it right but he nailed that one for sure this team's growing up this team's been special to watch so great day out bright I, I do think nick that you missed one of the most important things that happened post-match what did i miss and that was Gabriel taking taking <laughs> to social media tweeting nothing personal in all caps London is red with a heart the Man. absolute amount of savage in that tweet you can't give him and, anything to hold on to because he he will take it and uh, put it on the locker room and uh, make sure we win and you know that tweets in the drafts and, and it's interesting because we've seen some of these reunions happen with Arsenal players, and it seems like they're happy to to see each other. And Clive AFC, I don't know if you follow him or not. He has he's on another one of the big Arsenal podcasts, and he talked about how pre match there wasn't very much going on between Aubameyang and the Arsenal guys, not like what you would would expect there to be. And throughout the match. I think you saw some of the animosity, especially with Ben White, with Gabrielle. And I think that just made the entire day even better. Yeah. Watch, watching that. And I'm looking at Gabrielle's Twitter here. Two of his last three tweets were nice kickabout with the boys on September 18th. <laughs> a tweet, a tweet in, in Portuguese that also says, North London is red, and then that nothing personal tweet. He is he is clearly another guy that is one of the heartbeats of the team. And I think we love to harp we love to harp on his mistakes, and his mistakes are real, but guys like that are so are so crucial to have on the team and just for what they add in. Yeah, I think we're at least 
maybe maybe just me, uh, and forgetting how long he's been with the team, longer than most. I mean, he was signed. He was, you know, in Arteta's first full season. He was the first signing. Um, I think that was twenty twenty. Twenty twenty, yeah. I don't know. They all blend together, but yeah, he's uh truly making his impact for sure. So, all right. Well, like I had mentioned, we we won't talk about Brighton much. I think uh, I don't know. Do you guys feel like you're happy that you're out of the Carabao Cup? Um, obviously. Didn't want to lose, but I don't think anyone's losing any sleep sleep about uh, being out of this. I think it's a great thing. We're all for it. Kev? I think it's a great thing to say that now. I think if we won, we would probably be even happier. Yeah. But but it's it's the least of our worries. We, I think, are legit in a, for sure, a battle for top four and I'm not opposed to calling us title contenders at that point. I think we're the only team that can contend for the title at this point. Hmm. I think that's fair. Yeah, I'm I'm not at the point to utter those words yet, but I'm kind of looking around and I'm like, well, if it's not us, who's who's going to be who's going to do it? So, we'll we'll see. But I hated losing I hated losing at home. Um but I think as we've seen in the Europa League, I'm like you rotate so many of these guys, it just it's just disjointed. And I think when, you know, we're eating the caviar of watching the first team and then we rotate and just realize, yeah, these guys aren't the first team. And um so Yeah, well we move to Wolves. Wolves away at the Molyneux. How do you say that? Molyneux? Yeah, you nailed it. It doesn't yeah. sound right. Molyneux? Molyneux. Yeah. As the pronunciation specialist of this pod. Yeah, Kev, let's hear you it. You nailed it. <laughs> that is top yeah. class. That's an A+. Plus. Thank you. Yeah, well, Saturday, it's a 245 Eastern kickoff in the States, so night game over there. Kind of a tricky, tricky one. I watched Wolves uh, when they played Palace, and they looked quite toothless. Um, we'll be very interested to see what they look like. Diego Costa is back. The pantomime. No, he's Zitlin. suspended. Yeah. Oh, praise. That red card. Praise the Lord. Oh, I can't Man. see that. What did he get a red card for? Headbutting someone. Oh, shocker. Yeah, I'm not surprised in the slightest, but oh. I did not know that. Yeah. He Which is wild. Wild because you... You can guarantee it. We would have lost on like a 95th minute Diego Costa tackle. <laughs> yeah, it was never going to end any other way, and thankfully we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we might catch them at a decent time. Raúl Jiménez out, um, Hernia Pedro Neto out, Mateus Nunez, who I thought was their best player. Um, it says he is out with a sh- sh- doubtful the shoulder injury. I'm not. Sure, what that will look like, but yeah, the Wolves have been a little bit of a bogey opponent in the last let's see 12 games. We have won six, drawn three, lost three. So, uh, but we've been great away from home, best team in the league, kept five out of seven clean sheets. I'd like to think we can do this. Stuart Atwell, 
we'll uh, we'll run the officiating. I know he's not our favorite guy, but first in the league versus nineteenth in the league, we should be winning this game, right? Yeah, we have to expect a win and predict a win. It's the last game before the break. Most were well rested in the Europa match, so I don't think we have any excuses if we can't take care of this one. Let's get some predictions written down. Who wants to go first? Take a crack. I'll start us off. I'm looking at like just our recent results. There've been a lot of one goal games since Wolves have made it back up into the top flight. And so again, I think that's bulletin board material. I think Mikel's going to really push the guys to to end this part of the season on a on a high and so I'm going to go with the 3-0 to the Arsenal. Oof. Like that. Like it a lot. Kevin I like that too. And I think in a, a little bit of a rarity, I am going to provide the less optimistic pick as opposed to Benny. I think it'll be 2-0 to the Arsenal for a good portion of the match. And I think they, they get one back against us and it finishes finishes 2-1. I also think we go with the same 11 from the Chelsea game. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, if we can and we do that as well, and I think that will be, if we do that, I don't think they're having uh, too much joy. So I'm going to go 2-0 to the Arsenal. Um, yeah. Man, would just be a brilliant, brilliant way to go into the break, not halfway through the season, but kind of, I mean, essentially the halfway point in our heads um top of the table surely we would have never ever guessed that right never in a million years like top four we would have been over the moon for but how in the world did we get to this point lads no it's kind of amazing it's it's happening and we're just like it's we're continuing to win we're just gonna we're not gonna ask questions we're just gonna keep going for that so and and the thing is that the reason i talk myself into believing we're title contenders is we take care of business against the teams we should take care of business against and it almost doesn't matter what happens in the city games i think i think we can beat them at home and we do that city away doesn't matter it cancel they'll cancel each other out and then you win the games that you need to win and you're putting yourself into a, such a great spot. And it's interesting. A team like City is so deep, but when they get into the, the brunt of Champions League knockout matches mm. in the spring, is a guy like Holland going to play twice a week for two months? Or are they going to have to rotate him? And, we, and we've seen it this year. They, they're not the, the same team without, without him leading the line. And... Stuff like that gives me hope that they'll drop points, and if we keep winning, who the heck knows? Yeah, it's uh, we're just taking care of every next game, and it's like, yeah, I guess. I mean, if we can keep doing that, eventually we'll be there. But yeah, I mean, you think about how many 
player city is sending to the World Cup, and you just never know what could happen. I don't know. They haven't looked. I don't. It's interesting. Pep said, uh, he said their city is five points better off this season than last season, and they're not in first place. That says a lot. That says a lot to me. Um, because they haven't looked invincible, but they've looked good. And it might be the mirage of Holland just scoring like a monster. Um, but they're obviously still very good. But for them to be at this level and still not in first, it's like, oh, that other team must be uh, pretty solid too. So speaking of World Cup, most of the teams have been announced. We want to go over the contingency quick. Benji, you want to? Yeah, I can also... group, so... <laughs> Sorry. Ben literally just texted the group, says, let's wrap up there. We can do World Cup stuff later. <laughs> hey, bro, it's, it's, all right. it's all good. Let's do that. Next week, we can do a World Cup preview, chat a little bit of men's the U.S. men's national team for our American listeners, can talk a little bit about Arsenal in the World Cup and maybe make some World Cup predictions. Does that sound fair? I think that's great. Okay, and we'll do a quick little Wolves recap. We won't go full World Cup yet because we've still got a big league game to go. So we'll leave it there. <laughs> I'm glad I saw that you were ready to go with it, but no, fair shout. All right, well, anything else for the good of the cause? Let's just keep this train rolling. Wait, yeah, we got one more, and then we gotta we're gonna be deprived for six weeks. That's that's gonna be hard. It's gonna be like lockdown all over again. Hey, it, it'll be hard, but you know what? We take care of business on Saturday, and we're top of the table. I will enjoy every dang second of the yeah. next <laughs> weeks, and I'll walk around head high. Second place wouldn't be terrible either, but give me first. I want to walk around, chest puffed out, feeling feeling like a bad dude. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm all for a couple more weeks uh, at the top of the table, so let's just do that. All right. Well, for Kevin and Ben, I am Nick with the Arsenal Bros. We appreciate you tuning in. You can find us on Twitter at the Arsenal Bros. We will check in with you next week to wrap up Wolves and uh, preview the World Cup and everything that's going on in Qatar. Thanks for jumping on, guys. It was a good time. It was. Come on, you gunners. It always is. Up the Arsenal. <laughs>